Good morning. It's good to be together. I want to welcome all of us that are joining in person and welcome to brothers and sisters who are joining online. Uh, God calls us to come and to respond in worship. And we remind ourselves of that each week, but it's good to be reminded that we're not alone, not making our own path, but God is the one who's created us and redeemed us and is calling into our life to remember him. Uh, before we begin our service, I just want to share a couple of announcements. Um, uh, one, it's good that we have a number of uh, classes going on today. We're kind of little by little uh, returning back to some things that we've been doing in the past. And so there is a, a youth class going on now. Pastor Eric is meeting with the junior senior high. Any students are welcome to join that uh, right now. And then we also have today uh, a preschool class and a children's worship class. And, and those, those kids will be dismissed uh, from the service after the prayer of invocation. Um, the children's worship uh, is in the basement. They can go out this door behind. And that's for uh, kindergarten and all elementary age kids. And the preschool class is with Miss Betsy. And that's going to be over here to my left. Uh, but she'll be there to, to meet them when they're dismissed. Uh, and those, those classes will go to the, end, to the end of the service. So, so good to have those things going. And we're thankful for that and for teachers. Um, also, we're going to take some time in the service to, to pray for one another and to pray for our church and, and, and city. Just a reminder that if you have things that you'd like the church leadership to pray for, please you know, contact me. You can do that directly, or there's also a, a contact card on the website that you can use. Uh, the last thing to mention is that we don't have a normal offering during, at this time of passing of the plates. There is um, a, a plate in the back, a silver plate, where you can drop off your gifts to, to God's work, respond to God's generosity that way, or you can give online to the church website. All right, I think that's, those are the announcements. But God has called to us and called us to come and to respond to his goodness. As we get ready to do that, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm 133 this morning. For those who are here, if you'd stand, there's a responsive reading. And for those at home, please sing along with us. sisters dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore.
Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are our only true refuge, our steadfast shelter. We seek you and need you and long for you. Even when we run from you, even when we wander long and far from you, even when we squander the blessings and gifts you've given us, you call us home and you are eager to meet us with your disruptive and lavish grace. And as we gather in worship this morning, Lord, make known to us your loving presence. Lord, meet us in the anxieties, the concerns, the troubles, even the doubts that follow us in worship. Give us the faith to listen and to follow you. Restore us from places of guilt and shame to press forward in mission with you, Father. Well, we know that Jesus is our elder brother, leading us into honesty and humil humility, who leads us away from retaliation and bruised threats, who helps us to see that plank in our own eye as we see the speck in our neighbors. Teach us to love those who are hard to love, those among us, those around us. Lead us into confession and repentance, into forgiveness and reconciliation, this deep gospel work that is brought to life by your spirit. Father, lead us now by your word and sacrament to the word who bears our flesh and change us, make us more and more into the image of your son. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship, and also the preschool is meeting as well today. Well, we do turn to our time of confession, a time where we can come before God honestly and openly in lieu of his mercy and his grace. And so we'll do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet personal confession. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Lord, we pray that the spirit of your fruit may grow in us. God of all creation, your love is patient, and we pray for the patience to love others as you have loved us. Forgive us for the times this week when we were quick-tempered and angry. Forgive us for the times this week when we were discouraged and gave up patiently waiting for you. Amen.
Take a moment to confess your sin to God. Gracious God, we are thankful that you came to us in our weakness, in our greatest need of rescue, while we were still sinners. You descended into the depths of our sin and death to be in our place, to raise us to new life. So we give thanks with joy in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, having confessed our sin, let's stand together and hear the words of assurance. And they come from 2 Corinthians 5. Please join. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Well, as we prepare to hear God's word, uh, let's together as his people invite him to give us ears to hear and eyes to see uh, his, his word this morning. Let's pray. Guide us, O Lord, by your word and Holy Spirit that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. May be seated. morning. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. 
Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. In our New Testament lesson, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But, we walk, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate in the Father, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to uh, worship with you and thankful for a chance to, to look at God's word together. Um, we're going to look at one of the resurrection accounts today from John chapter 20. And then starting next Sunday, we're, we're going to begin a, uh, a new sermon series looking at the book of James from the New Testament, <clears throat> a sermon series around uh, what, how the resurrection gives wisdom, wisdom to God's people. Uh, but today we're going to look at a passage that occurs on the evening of the first Easter. It's the same day as the women discovering the empty tomb in the morning. And if we can try to imagine the experience of those women and of the men who are following Jesus, it was certainly a, a chaotic day. Uh, scriptures tell us about running here and there, about reports, about wondering. And at the end of this day of hope and confusion, we find in our passage the disciples are hiding. They're hiding because they're afraid. Having witnessed Jesus be arrested and executed, they fear the authorities will do the same to them. 
And so they lock the doors and hide. And suddenly in this room in which they are hiding, suddenly Jesus stands among them and says to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. So let's read our passage. This is from John 20, verse 19 through 31. You can follow along on your order of worship or just listen as I read. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as we look at this passage this morning and try to uh, make our way through God's word and understand it, I have two questions I want us to ask. The first one being, what is the meaning of Jesus' wounds? What is the meaning of Jesus' wounds on his resurrected body? And the second one is, what is the meaning of Thomas' confession? So let's start with this first one. What is the meaning of Jesus' wounds? Peace be with you, Jesus says. As he greets them, though, he also shows them his hands and his side. And when doing this, Jesus is showing them his wounds, the marks of death upon his body. And we should ask, why are these wounds present on his resurrected body? What does this mean? Well, the common answer, one of the answers would be that this is about identification. These marks confirm that the same one who died on the cross is the one standing there amidst them. The Jesus who entered death is now the one standing before them. And this is true, this identification that's important. But I think there's additional reason as well, that Jesus' wounds allow us to consider our own wounds and to consider them in a new light, in light of the resurrection. For Isaiah said, by his wounds we are healed. And the marks on his skin are there to be noticed because they invite you and I to wonder, what do his wounds have to do with ours? What do his wounds have to do with our wounds? 
There's a couple things that we can say. And the first one is where a good place to start is that we should acknowledge that it's tempting. It's been tempting in the, maybe in your own life or tempting certainly in the history of the church to overlook or to dismiss these wounds that were still on Jesus' body, to cover them or kind of render them invisible or to say they're not significant. And such a posture toward Jesus' wounds might even reveal a posture towards our own or towards others. One of the first Christian books I can remember reading, I was, was a college student, and someone gave me a book called Inside Out by Larry Crabb. In this book, I was introduced to what he called triumphant Christianity. Triumphant. This idea of focusing the Christian life is about glory, not about suffering. The Christian life is about victory, not about difficulties. And Larry Crabb, the author, was writing against such a concept, a way of talking about Jesus' victory or the gospel that leaves no room for honesty to acknowledge the deep and present struggles or wounds or fears or laments that we have. Crabb writes, you don't have to pretend you have it all together when you don't. You don't have to pretend your best relationship deeply satisfies you when it doesn't. You don't have to pretend your struggle with sin is a thing of the past when it isn't. Christianity is not a call to pretend. This was many years ago, but I recall finding great freedom and hope and life in those words. And I think it's a chance for us to think again about the risen Jesus showing us his wounds. Inviting us to hold intention that Jesus is risen and he is the first fruits from the dead. But we also acknowledge that the full victory of Christ, the full restoration, the full renewal of God's people and his creation has not yet arrived. We need to be careful to remember and hold that tension as God's people. Theologian Douglas Hall writes, the basic distinction between human religion and Christianity is the propensity of human religion to avoid or dismiss suffering. To have light without darkness, vision without trust or risk, hope without an ongoing dialogue of despair. In short, it's looking for Easter without a Good Friday. And one of the things we should do in our passage is to see that Jesus' resurrected body, his Easter body, contains the marks of Good Friday. Therefore, inviting us, do not forget, do not overlook, do not hide these realities. Having said that, we can think of another thought about this first question, that Jesus shows his wounds, and this allows us to reflect on our own marks. He shows us his wounds so that we can reflect on our own marks and wounds. His wounds, the fact that they're still there, acknowledges his past, his experience. He was rejected, mistreated, suffered, betrayed, and killed. And in doing this, he's continuing to minister to us because he's inviting you and me to acknowledge our own experiences, those things that have marked us, things even from the past that continue to be very present for us. I think that Jesus uniquely, uniquely carries his wounds in his resurrected body. And they remain so that we can be reminded that, that God, our God, entered such wounds as this. 
that he bears the ongoing realities of our sin, mistreatment, violence, and even death. This is part of bearing our wounds, that by his wounds we may be healed. John Calvin, when writing about this passage, uses the image of engrafting. I'm sure that you guys have noticed that in the nice warm weather than the rain, that there's many green sprouts that are coming forth, some signs of new life. Well, Calvin talks about this idea of engrafting, that you could take two plants, a strong one and a weak one, and if you make slices into those plants and put them together, that over time the weak one will gain strength from the strong one, and over time the two can become one. And the reason that John Calvin puts this image forth is he says this is how we can think about Jesus sharing our wounds and us sharing in his. The wounds of Jesus is the very place of our union, our engrafting with him, the weak plant being engrafted to the strong. It's in our wounds and in his wounds, in his suffering and our suffering that we are grafted together. It is in these very places that we know the spirit of God breathing forth to us. That engrafting doesn't mean that our longings or suffering has gone away, but invites us to view them in a new light, not our own to carry, not the only word in our life. You see, Jesus, his own wounds, and the fact that we're connected to them allows us to see our wounds in a new way without them being denied or dismissed, to see them as the very places of God's love and ministry to us. So Jesus' wounds invite us to remember his ministry, remind us to remember the tension that he invites us to hold. What about Thomas's confession? What does Thomas's confession mean? You might have seen the note that John adds in this passage that Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the others when Jesus came. So when Thomas was next with the others, they told him, we have seen the Lord. We can imagine the startled nature of this, but Thomas does not embrace this confession. But he says, I have to put, see the nail holes, I have to touch them, I have to see his side, and put my hand there. And eight days later, after the first appearance in the locker room, John tells us that Jesus came and stood among them again. Peace be with you. And he looks to Thomas and tells him, put your finger here. See my hands Put out your hand and place it in my side. See my wounds and touch them. And Jesus adds, do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And I want us to dwell for a moment on that final phrase that Jesus offers. Do not be disbelieving, but believing. See, the way that he's describing those two postures is that both of them are active. Both of them are certain commitments or decisions about how you view Jesus in this world. Remember on Easter morning, the women were walking with barrel spices in hand, seeking something they could do to honor and love Jesus even in his death. And as they walk, they ask the question, who will open the tomb? Who will move the stone from the tomb? And one author reflecting on that question writes, 
what is Shakespeare's to be or not to be compared with the question of the stone in the tomb? Or Pontius Pilate's, what is truth? Or even Jesus' own question, who do men say that I am? For who will roll away the stone? Who will roll away the stone is the question, the question of the tomb being open or closed gets to the very heart of the deepest longings of us and our limitations. And the posture of disbelieving, that active posture, is one that says that there is no answer to such question, no other word beyond death, no other power, no greater purpose, no vindication or justice, no one to move the stone from the tomb. And we have opportunity in Thomas to see another posture, a posture of believing Witness the fact that if Jesus rose from the dead, if his wounds did not kill him, but he is now present, that this has changed everything. Is it possible that the powers who have acted to show that they can take whatever they want, whenever they want, with impunity, that they don't have the final word? Is it possible that the greatest taker of all death itself can be overcome by one? You see, believing is the posture that says that there is another word. There is vindication and justice. There is something more than our wounds. Something more than the marks that have been left upon our body. There's someone who sees and who welcomes. Someone who enters into our death and offers new life. And Thomas's confession, what it means is that the resurrection is not just an announcement. It is that. It's an announcement, but also an invitation to see and to hear and to join Thomas by saying, my Lord and my God, that there is someone who can answer the question, someone who can open the tomb and make it a new beginning. This is the good word of Thomas's confession and the one that you and I are invited to join. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are and we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would be present with us by your spirit, comforting us, giving us courage, helping us to see even our deepest wounds in a new light. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is this so weak and helpless child of lowly
time now to, to pray for one another and pray for our church and our, our city. And uh, if you'll see in your order, there is, um, I'll lead us in prayer, and then there'll uh, be a time of quiet. You can offer your own prayers. And those times of quiet will end uh, responsive by me saying, Lord, in your mercy, and you can respond, hear our prayers. Um, we'll do that twice um, to get the chance to pray together. So let's, let's come before our Father in heaven. Lord, we give you thanks that you've gathered us, and we do come and acknowledge that in Christ, we know that we are not alone, alone to face our sin, alone to face um, the wounds and difficulties that we, fa- that we carry, and not alone to face death. And so we also thank you as we come, we remember this union we have with you, that we can come and bring our concerns and our requests Lord, we pray in our country, we look, and in our city, and it seems that there every day is stories of, of violence, of another shooting in a public place. And so, Lord, we come and we acknowledge and lament the loss of human life, life that's made in your image, life that you have given great value and dignity. And also, Lord, we come as those who are frustrated that when these things happen, it seems our leaders get locked into a continual, another old cycle of, of arguments. And so we pray, Lord, for, for new ways to approach, new ways to think, new ways that our neighborhoods and city <clears throat> and country can be safe. Lord, we also pray just for the fear that such things bring to us and to our children and to our neighbors. Lord, we are reminded not just in those moments of violence, but even in just daily life of so many uncertainties. Whether through, because of COVID or just other realities, Lord, many of us feel the uncertainties around our jobs, around finances, around making decisions about traveling or seeing those that we love, about school, decisions about what to do next. Lord, we pray for ourselves and for our neighbors that your spirit would meet us in these places of uncertainty, places of lack of clarity around decisions, that we may learn even from one another, that we may learn what it means to depend on you, Christ. We ask that you would guide and lead. We pray, Lord, for our church and for the church 
throughout, throughout our city and throughout this world that we would be witnesses, not in our own strength, witnesses that we know what to do, but witnesses to you, Christ, the risen one who bears our marks and wounds and death, but rises to give hope and a new word. Let us give witness to this in our words and our actions, Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And Lord, we come especially mindful of in our church community of those who have loved ones who are, are sick or who have passed away. Lord, we pray for Munch and Adriana. We pray for Adriana's mother, that you would be with her as she goes through cancer treatments, that they would be effective. Lord, we pray for Monica Johnson. We pray for Monica and Alex. You'd be with them, and we pray especially that you would help them care for Monica's mother, that you too would be with her, strengthening her in her spirit as she goes through her cancer treatments. We pray for effectiveness, but encouragement as well. And Lord, we pray for um, Susan Dawson's aunt, Aunt Ev. We pray a prayer of thanks that uh, Susan's sister Ruth, Ruth can be present to spend time with Ev. And we pray for Ev as she's in hospice care that you would give her comfort that you strengthen her spirit, that through visitors that she would be reminded of your presence in her life and the good news that your grace and your love is the final word. And Lord, we pray, we pray with uh, morning hearts of prayers of comfort for brothers and sisters. We think of the Xylister family in particular, Doug and Brenda Kay, as they mourn the loss of their mother, Sandra. We pray that you would be with them providing comfort that they would be a comfort to one another, the whole family, but as a church, that we too can be an encouragement to them. We pray also for Carol Merrim, and we lament and mourn the, the passing, the sudden passing of her brother, Steve. We pray that you would be with Carol and all of her family. We thank you that your word acknowledges loss and death and pain and suffering, but also gives us a word of hope that we can mourn with hope that Christ is the one who's entered the grave and who has walked out, the risen one. That in Christ, there is a resurrection and life. I pray that those words would not only be comforting to all, to all of us in general, but very specifically to Carol and to Doug and to Brenda Kay this day. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, we give you thanks that you invite us to come to you, to your throne of grace. We give you thanks that you hear us when we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> I invite you to stand with me that we can continue to pray and respond by praying the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
Receive now God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace. Thank you.